This is a podcast where you will find us talking about marriage and family. Everything. Pretty near everything, as my daddy used to say. Food. We could talk about, we could do an entire podcast on like holiday season food. We could. Maybe we will. You just never know. Oh, hey, look, check it out. Here we are for our YouTube audience. We have our holiday mugs out for the first time. Mm-hmm. Rudolph meeting Santa. It's a little confusing with our back decor, which is uh, fall leaves. So we're going to have to fix that. We're, we're tra- in transition. transition. And that's kind of- um, That would describe most of our most life. Most of our life. Yes, we're indeed. We're in transition. So today we're going to talk about something really special. Yes. Um, we're going to share a story that we have not shared in the podcast before, but many people do know the story. Um, and it, and it leads to a very special tradition that we have in our home that begins on the first Sunday of Advent. Which, if we've done this right, should be when this podcast drops. And if we Boom. haven't, it's still in Advent. So there you go. Uh, um, but there's this really special tradition that began in our house, uh, nine years ago. No, uh, eight years ago. Pardon me. Um, because Courtney will be gone nine years this year. Right. So eight years ago, um, our daughter had passed away on December 27th. 2014. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Courtney and specifically about um, a moment of of a miracle that sort of changed the course of our lives, mm-hmm. changed the path. It's a miracle, miracle, true blue miracle. Wow. That is 1970s. Who's that? Barry Manilow? Barry Manilow, oh, baby. Wow. <laughs> I told you, people just come here come for, for the, the tunes. Music. That's right. Anyways, so um, we wanted to share this tradition. And this tradition is that uh, we call it Courtney's Prayer Stocking. And uh, it was the year after Courtney passed away and we were decorating the house for Christmas. Of course, Courtney passed away on December 27th. So the year that she passed away was an advent like no other. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that, right? It was the last uh, few weeks of her life. And, um, you know, the house was an explosion of Christmas and joy because she when loved is our Christmas. house not an explosion of Christmas? Oh, no, that Christmas. Do you remember? I took down everything from the walls and put up just like Christmas prints and Bible scriptures. I just wanted to be surrounded by the joy of the coming of the Lord. And you were like, this is a bit much, Mary. Well... Well, Hobby Lobby did call for decorating advice, I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyways. Can we have our people walk through your house and uh, get, get, get some inspiration? Get some inspiration. Um, and so our beautiful girl went home to the Lord on the 27th. So the following year, it comes to the point where we're hanging up our Christmas stockings. And our son, Jonathan, said, where's Christmas? Uh, where's uh, Courtney's Christmas stocking? And I wasn't going to hang it up because, you know, I mean, it's depressing. We're getting ready to celebrate the first anniversary of her passing. And why do you want to look at a Christmas stocking? And Jonathan was offended. He was like, um, because it's Courtney's and just because she's in heaven doesn't mean we don't celebrate her. Out of the mouth of babes. Yeah. Well, he wasn't. A babe. A babe that, I mean, good looking, yes, but not a baby. Anyways. <laughs> so okay. Jerry, what did our son suggest? Putting up the stocking. Why? Because. See, I'm the one that tells the story all the time, so you don't usually. So I'm going to give you some. Some airtime here, Jer. No, I'm actually. What fine. was his suggestion? <laughs> no, what was his suggestion? I I don't remember. Don't give me that look. You're the one who tells the story. Courtney's prayer stocking. He said, "Mom, why don't we? You know, Courtney was always interceding for us, and now that she's a saint in heaven, why don't we use her stocking as a prayer stocking? Oh, right. We can intercede for people, and we can pray for them throughout the Advent season. Right. He was so well catechized. <laughs> Proud parent moment. Wow. So um, I was like, okay. 
So we told some of our close friends that year. And by the second week of Advent, that stocking was filled with little pieces of paper. And we, as a family, committed to praying um, the joyful mysteries every night, praying the rosary mm-hmm. for the intentions of that st- that were in the stocking. That's right. All the things. All the things. So that began that year, just a beautiful tradition, prayerful tradition in our house. And um, we continue it to this year. This year will be the eighth year. And last year, we, it got so big that we had to make a Google form. <laughs> yes, because- I do recall you trying to write everyone's request in a journal I, that's the first couple of years I did you that. You filled up the entire journal. I filled up and you're two or like, three. Oh, my wrist is sore. And I'm like, right. well, why don't, and so, um, why don't we use that their technology on the interwebs? And- you're really kind of doing the whole Oklahoma thing today, aren't you? Salute. Wow. So, um, yeah. So we've, we've gotten technical with it. And uh, we now have a Google form. Jerry will have it on his uh, bio and his Instagram. He'll have it in his sub stack. I'll have it on the website as well as in my Instagram bio on Facebook. We put it everywhere. And last year we received over, I think it was 3,700 prayer, prayer requests. requests. Yep. And we read them all out yep. loud. Uh, not every time we pray the rosary, we just read them all. Uh, and we ask the Lord to cover them. Um, but it was a beautiful tradition that our son suggested that we really... Um, has kind of changed our advent since our daughter has passed away. It's made some a season that has always been um, challenging for us, a little less challenging, wouldn't you say? A little less. A little. I mean, it's still hard. We're we're walking toward our, the anniversary of our daughter's death. But oh, we got more anniversaries there too. We got to remember. Well, yeah. So now in December, we have uh, Jerry's father who passed away on the same day as Courtney. Two years later, to the same day. <laughs> Then we now have this year will mark the first anniversary of your sister Joanna's Auntie Joe's passing death on, on December fifteenth. So December is a um, bittersweet. Should we call it We have Christmas. We have those three anniversaries, and then Jerry's birthday is December thirty first. So it's we end the year on a bang. But you know, yeah, that's what I'd call it. <laughs> this year he's walking toward fifty nine, baby. On a downward slide to 60. Here we go. I prefer to think of it as ancient of days, old and wise, experienced, graybeard. I am now a graybeard. Literally. Yeah, I know. So in sharing that tradition, uh, by the way, the uh, the uh, link to put a prayer request in the prayer stocking will be in the show notes as well. We wanted to share a story that we get asked to tell quite often, and that is the story of our healing pilgrimage to Lourdes with our daughter, Courtney. Mm-hmm. She was seven years old. It was in the mm-hmm. year 2000, the Jubilee year. That's right. Jerry was a brand new Catholic. Still shiny and everything. Having come into the church the year before. And we were offered an opportunity by the Knights and Dames of Malta to take our daughter to Lords on a healing pilgrimage. And so we went through the process. And at that time, my father was in his final year of life uh, mm-hmm. with cancer. And we had hoped that he would go with us, but he wasn't well enough to go. So as he said to us, this is this is your opportunity to go with Courtney. This isn't about me. It's about her. Mm-hmm. And so we get on a plane and we take our daughter to Lourdes. Mm-hmm. So Jerry, why don't you tell our fabulous listeners your first impressions of the town of Lourdes, France? So the first thing, of course, is we have to go through um, Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. And um, yes, my wife is like, 
He's like, I'm in Paris, but I can't leave the airport. I was like, no, this is not the time to be touristy other than having palm frites. You thought it was so cool that they were palm frites. I'm like, dear, they're French they're fries. They're French fries. But they sound so cooler when you say palm frites. Yes. So They were delightful. Yeah, they were delightful. It's all we could afford in the airport. <laughs> so we flew down to, I don't remember the airport we flew into, and then we got on a bus. Yes. Which was always an exercise with Courtney. Now, fortunately, she was small enough back then that you could sort of easily carry her. Carry yeah. her. So, so we got the Lords, and I'm like, I look, I I look at Mary, and I go, um, "This is like the most Catholic place I've ever seen on the earth." I'm like, "This is like really." Catholic. We call it Catholic Disneyland. Like, From every window, Our Lady is watching you. I'm like <laughs> in a statue in I'm a like, print. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was like a little overwhelmed. I was a little overwhelmed and more than a bit intimidated because, like, the Virgin Mary was watching you from every window. Every window. Her eyes seem to follow you. I know. So we get there and we get ourselves settled in the hotel, and then um, we realize that it's a six-hour difference between. The United States and Lords. I and you so, realize that I knew that because I that, did time zone conversions. Yes. <laughs> you don't do time zone conversions. You're like, what time is it there, honey? You could set this little function on your iPhone that will tell you what time it is here before if we didn't you have call iPhones, me. Then. I know now, of course. Oh, when you would travel to Europe, yes, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. moving on, mister. Um, I realized it was six o'clock at home. And it was midnight where we were. We were still on American time. Our daughter was wide awake. So we decided to put her in her wheelchair and take her for a little walk around the town. Because Lord's the the um, the grotto is open 24 hours a day. I don't think the child ever actually got her body clock. No, adjusted, she didn't. Did she? <laughs> no, like, she no. didn't. It was, it was um, but that was okay because when we came home, that was Except better for her. Except chow time. She, yes, like, she knew Every was- six hours, you better be feeding the child. <laughs> So we, um, and this is before she had her G-tube. So she was eating by oh, mouth. That's right. Yeah. When we got home, she got her G-tube. Yeah. Um, but so we went to the grotto because what was happening back in the United States at our parish, uh, St. Mary of Sorrows in Fairfax, Virginia, was there was a mass being said for our daughter, for her complete healing while we were in Lourdes. And so some 300 people from our homeschool community, our parish community had gathered and Father Bashista um, was doing this mass, and Jonathan was one of the servers, and my parents were there, and some of my siblings were there, and just so many beautiful people had gathered to pray. And so I thought, you know, how fitting that when they're praying the rosary after mass there, we're praying the rosary in the grotto. It's that cool universal church thing. I know. Da, it's da, really da, neat. Da. So we did that, and that's kind of how, um, after we got over the shock of 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 how Catholic everything was, <laughs> That's how we sort of started our time in Lourdes. And then? And then the next day we had an opportunity to go in the water. There and was this, the water. And da, this da, da, is da. kind of where the story sort of takes a sharp right turn. <laughs> I will let you tell the story because you were an actual eyewitness. Well, to Courtney I was, So yes. you were like Peter and I was like Mark. See, so you are an actual eyewitness, but I could write it down, but you were an actual eyewitness. So I will let you tell this story while I sip some of this delicious coffee. <laughs> Okay, so there are three stations to go in the bass. Now, mind you, this is in the year 2000. They have changed things since COVID. Um, so I'm not sure you will find this today, but this was how it was done at the time. By the time. way, nobody briefed us about this. I just want to make this perfectly clear. This was not in the brochure, the travel instructions, or any of the no. pre-briefs. They're just like, yep, we're going in the bass, healing waters, you know, miracles happen, etc. They don't go over how the it logistics. All <laughs> and you know me, 
I love me some logistics. Okay, continue. So, (laughs) Jerry needs you to know. That's very important. Yeah, nobody told us nothing. (laughs) So, um, there's the mother and child section. There's the women section and there's the men section. So, of course, because Courtney was wheelchair bound, we go into the mother and child section. And you walk in and it's sort of like this, um, you know, it's built out of the the base of the mountain where um, St. Bernadette of Subaru um, in 1853, 1858, eight. 1858 had an apparition, several apparitions with our lady. And, um, she dug into the soil there at the base of the mountain and bubbling waters came up and those waters were healing waters. And to this day, you can see, um, they have, uh, crutches and canes and things hung up where, uh, people went into the water or put the water on their body and they were healed of their ailments. So, I mean, it's just a very, very powerful place to be. And so we go into this sort of like cave-like room and there's kind of a a place, uh, I don't know if it was a table or if it was like made out of stone or I I don't remember the exact detail, but uh, they put Courtney on this stretcher and I'm like, oh, they have to lift her into the water. Well, I, like Jerry said, I we weren't even thinking about how this is going to happen. So they begin to undress her. And that's when I get my first hint of this is going to be different than I thought. And, <laughs> A little bit. And so they cover her with this sheet. Her dignity was always respected. And they start to take off her clothes because, of course, they're going to dip her body in this, this miraculous holy water. And we know that as Catholics, we believe um, these are sacramentals and that, um, you know, it's the Lord that heals, right? It's God that heals. But um, he uses these things as part of um, that healing story sometimes. So uh, I realized, oh my gosh, if she has to get undressed and if I'm going to go in the water, then I have to get undressed. And that just, it was very uncomfortable. (laughs) And what I noticed right away was there were three women that were helping her. And they were all praying in their native tongue. And they were praying, uh, I recognized the Salve Regina in Latin. I recognized the Hail Mary in two different languages. And they were just praying over her as they were preparing her to go in the water. And one of them had this little statue of Our Lady about, oh, I don't know, four inches high. And um, she was asking me where the problems were. Just said, Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> and I said, all the things. <laughs> all the things. I said, well, you know, of course, her legs because she didn't walk. Uh, her tummy, we were having gastro issues, um, which were, were later uh, solved by uh, getting a G tubes to help her with nutrition and um, make sure her medication was um, absorbed well to help her fight the seizures. Um, so we said her tummy. And then I said, you know, her eyes and her brain, because of course she was cortically blind and her eyes um, and her brain was having seizures. So they got up around her, her sort of neck area and Courtney would always ball her hands. So when you have a child that is neurologically damaged, they tend to keep their hands in kind of a bald shape. And so her hands were like little fists up by her um, cheeks. And as uh, this beautiful woman placed the statue, the, it was a blessed statue of Our Lady upon Courtney's head. Courtney swiped the statue out of her hands. <laughs> now, this is was the first miracle because Courtney never did anything with her hands but pick up a bottle. A cup, sippy a cup, cup, a sippy cup, and a bottle when she was younger. Like she didn't purposefully use her hands. She didn't reach for things because she couldn't see them. 
So I was like, whoa, what is she doing? And then I thought, oh my gosh, everything in Courtney's right hand always goes to her mouth. So I had this vision that she's going to take Our Lady and put her put the statue in her mouth and like chomp on her head or something. And I'm like, that's really not the way you want to start a pilgrimage, healing pilgrimage to Lourdes by, you know. Chomping on Our Lady. Chomping on Our Lady. That's not really, I don't think that's in the, that's not in the plan. So I, um, I start to move over toward her to prevent her from doing that. And what she does next uh, still stuns me is she took Our Lady and placed her over her heart. And then she took her other fisted hand and placed it on top of that one. And she had this big smile on her face, just so happy. And I was just stunned. I was just watching. And, and the little lady uh, that was with us uh, from the Knights and Dames of Malta, her name was Anne. She was from Ireland. And she's like, Maddie Beth, do you see? Do you see what Courtney is doing? And I'm like, yes. Like, what's happening? And Courtney remained in that position. And they take her to the water. And they they dunk her in the water. And She was and not digging that. Not digging that at all. Big, good Irish yell from our girl. And she comes back around, of course, totally totally covered in everything, but her hands have not changed that position. And she still has this beautiful smile on her face. And I was, I was like, wow, what's, does she know where she is? You know, all of these things are running through my mind. And then it's your turn. (laughs) It's my turn to go in the water. And I was in my undergarments and this woman, uh, I think she was, she said she was from Romania. She starts unhooking my brassiere and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we keep those on. My mommy told me to keep those on. And and she's like, no, you know, you want the the water to be everywhere. So I went in to this water covered in just a sheet. As the Lord brought you into this world. That's how I went in. And when I put my foot in that water, it's like this little how tub. How cold was it? Six foot tub, stone tub. It was a stone cistern. It's not a tub. It was a cistern. A cistern, whatever. It was. How cold was it? I, it I don't even have your words. attention on the Lord, didn't it? It did, it, I, because everything left your brain. It was so cold. It was like Arctic water, probably colder you were than that. Concentrated. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a human ice cube. I, I just took my breath. It literally took my breath away. Oh, it's, it's cold because I went in too. And as I and go, it's cold. And as I took the step to the middle of the bath, I, you know, there was a statue of a lady at the end of the bath and her face was all pink. It was a white statue. And I'm like, why is her face pink? And the woman next to me said, La Rouge. The women would go and kiss the statue out of respect and they had lipstick on. So it was dyed like this pink color from millions of women's lipstick. (laughs) Yeah. You wouldn't do that post COVID anymore. No. So um, anyway, so I went over and I, I didn't have lipstick on, but I, I kissed our lady. And then they asked me what my prayer was. And Jerry and I had practiced this prayer. Do you remember what the prayer was? I don't know. Complete healing, et cetera, et cetera. Something, something. Wow. So (laughs) it was 20, Three, four, twenty-four, five, four. Twenty-three. Twenty-four. Twenty-four years ago. No, because it's year two thousand. Okay, twenty-three. Three and a See, half. See, it was a long time ago. <laughs> Anyways, um, and she asked me what my prayer was, and we had this long prayer, or actually, it was only two sentences, but I couldn't tell you what it was. Obviously, Jerry can't even now. Um, I can't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> so it's, it's not a good marker. You know what I'm saying? And I, I just, I bowed my head and closed my eyes and took a deep breath, and I heard a young woman's voice with saying just simply the word acceptance. And I opened my eyes and I looked around because I expected it to be one of the women there with me that was just kind of praying for me to accept 
my life and Courtney and all the things. And everybody was quiet. They were silent and they had their heads bowed. And I'm like, okay, now I'm hearing things in a foreign country, <gasps> naked, wrapped in a sheet. We're in- those Catholic people. We are those Catholic people. We are those Catholic and people. And I was like, I am not going to show up on EWTN telling you guess how- what? You can you can give it away later, but oh. telling you how you know <sighs> how you trailer. heard Jesus's voice and how you heard Mary's voice, and at that point in our lives, I was like, yeah, we're not those people. So um, I just kind of kept it to myself, and and I got out and I got dressed, and I looked at Courtney, and she was back in her wheelchair, and she was smiling, and she was happy, and they had pried the statue out of her hand, and I don't think she that wasn't digging that either. But we went out immediately, going to mass right there in the grotto. So I come out and I see Jerry and he's waiting for us and he has a smile on his face. And then he sees Courtney still in her wheelchair and he has tears in his eyes. And and Jerry is not um, known for his tears. Um, I had those, I had those surgically removed. (laughs) And he comes over and bends down next to Courtney and gets on one knee. And he just looks at her and he says, your mom and I love you so much. And we're here. We're here. We're never going to, you know, you repeated what you had told her when she was seven months old. We're not going to leave you in Hopkins. You know, we're not going to leave you. mm -hmm. We're going to fight for you. We're going to be here with you. Whatever the Lord wants is what we'll do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's up to him, but we love you and we accept all the things. And I didn't really pay attention to the words you had used. We went to mass and then we're walking up the hill to go to lunch. And I start telling Jerry in a very excitable voice. I start telling him everything. Do you have any other voice besides excitable? I have a very calm mother voice. I have a stern mother voice. Oh, well, that's true. And then I have the other one I use for everything else, which is an excitable voice. Okay? Okay. There you go. I have the Jerry, you've done something wrong voice. Oh, that's not a good one. Okay, thank you. Mm. So I was not using that voice, was I? No. So I was talking 7 million miles a minute, and I was telling him what happened. Courtney had held the statue. I went in the water. Courtney went in the water first, you know, and I heard this young woman's voice, blah, 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 blah. And I turned to look at him, and there was this lovely little Frenchman, probably oui, in his oui, 80s. Oh. He had a beret and everything. With his beret? And he was like, wee oui, wee, oui, madame. Da, da, da. Like, and I'm going, how long have I been talking to this little Frenchman? And where the heck is Jerry? So I stopped because the dinner, the lunch bell had been rung in the town. You did not miss mealtime. You didn't miss mealtime. And, and so I stopped and I waited. And Jerry was about, what, 10 steps behind me? Yeah. And he was, his face was white as snow and he was just now staring at me. Is. Yeah. And he was staring at me and I thought, oh my gosh, he's, is he going to have a heart attack? What, what's happening? Run it. What, what? So I kind of backed Courtney's wheelchair up, which is no easy feat when the entire town is going to lunch. Yeah. You were salmon swimming upstream. That's right. And um, I, I got mad. I looked at you and I'm like, you will not have a heart attack in Lords. This is unacceptable. And he's just staring so at me. So caring. <laughs> I, I was you not. You will not die here, <laughs> maggot. Get moving. I will not. I just will. I cannot handle this. So stop whatever it is that's happening. And you grabbed my arm and you're not a grabber, but you grabbed my arm. And what did you say to me? Do you remember? Uh, what did you say? I think that's what I said. What did you pray or something like that? I said, what did you hear in the water? Yeah, something like that. You're like, Mary, Mary, what did you hear in the water? And I said, acceptance. I told you that. And I don't, it probably was the Blessed Mother. Do you think it was the Blessed Mother? I don't you know. Were, at that point, you started talking 100 miles an hour again. Yeah. And, and you I just, stopped you again. And what did you say? And I said, 
First of all, that water, Mary, is so freaking yeah, cold. Yeah, like nobody and, told us that. And what's up with getting naked to go in the water? You yeah. Catholics are weird. Okay, I did say that because again, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, it was not in the brochure, the brief, or anything. And then I said, I heard the same thing. And I'm like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. You did I'm like, what? what does that word mean? What does that mean? What the like, is that a Catholic thing? Like, I, I need a dictionary. I need a decoder ring. Like, what does that mean? We accepted her. We loved her. Like, well, well that's what, is, what we assume. Right. Like, what is that all about? So he, he looks at me and he says, okay, we're going to lunch with all these really, really Catholic people. And we're not going to say and a thing. we're not going to say a thing. We, you, will, shh. you will be quiet. We, we will not, not say anything. We are not those Catholic people that are going to end people. up on EWTN. So no. We, we show up at lunch and one of the uh, knights looked at, looked at Jerry and he goes, what happened, Jerry? Yeah, back then I did not have my poker face. And Jerry's like, what do you mean what happened? He goes... Courtney is humming, smiling. Mary looks like she just came out of like a ray of sunshine. And so do you. And that's not who we know you that's to be. That's not normal. So what happened? And Jerry's like, oh, we just, we went into the water. It We're was, the water it was, was fine. It was, it was a powerful good. experience. Let's have you know, let's have, let's eat soup. <laughs> we're going to eat soup now. And then he looks at me and we're seated at that point. And Jerry is, is holding onto my thigh. Like, do not say a word and he's you, squeezing it you freaking crack like an egg <laughs> what because father mike sat down across from us and he was like mary tell me what happened in the water i'm like well jack and then, jack bauer wouldn't have even had to like you know give you a sideways look and you would have told him where the bomb was whatever i'm not made to be a spy i'm a father mom. i just and i told him everything 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 how Courtney held the statue and how, you know, we heard this voice and then Jerry heard it and Jerry wasn't even going to go into the water, but he decided at the last minute to do it. And I was, I, we were just so <laughs> confused and stunned and all the things, all the things, just, I, no word. So father Mike said, you know, how old is Courtney? And I said, well, she's, she's seven. seven. And he's like, well, so when does she receive her first communion? And I said, well, Father, she can't receive her first communion because she can't speak and there's no way for her to communicate to you how um, how much she knows and understands. So we can't, you know, our, our priests have told us, you know, it's not necessary. She's an innocent. She doesn't, quote unquote, need Holy Communion. So Father Mike said, um, okay, well, Oak, that's interesting. And then we went on to <laughs> eat lunch and we had soup. And then... Um, Jerry and, and Courtney went up to take a nap because Courtney was still on American time. And uh, one of the dames of and Malta- Jerry could use a nap. Yeah, said, hey, I'm going across the street. Um, there's a little bar. Well, there's a bar uh, like all down the streets, but they would have, you know, coffees in the afternoon and stuff like that. Father Mike was traveling with, with Bishop Curlin from the Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina. Right? No, Raleigh. Raleigh, North Carolina. Sorry. Raleigh. And- um. He said, you know, I got to go pay the bishop's bar tab. So let's go over and get a coffee. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know bishops had bar tabs. Apparently bishops have bar tabs. <laughs> didn't know that. Remember, we're Catholic. Yeah. Not Baptist. Not Baptist. So we, we go pray, over. then we feast and drink. There you go. So we go over to this little bar and Father Mike takes care of it. And we all have a coffee. And he's like, Mary, you said, you know, Courtney's seven. And, and you know, I really, I really feel called to... To kind of encourage you to um, seek 
the sacraments for her, seek uh, First Holy Communion and Confirmation. And I was like, okay, well, thank you okay, for that. Sure. That's nice. sure. You know? And then he goes, no, really, I, I want you to talk to Bishop Curlin. And I was like, okay, I, I don't usually have a one-on-one conversation with bishops. It's not... You have been in the pastor's office a few times. I have, but that's but a pastor. That's bishop. not the bishop. So You never achieved that greatness. No. So um, later that evening, one of the after dinner, there was an opportunity for Jerry and I to talk to Bishop Curlin. And he's like, let's go to the grotto, say the rosary together, and let's just chat. Again, this was the most Catholic I have ever been right. in the entire year and a half that I've been Catholic. So Jerry is like walking on one side of the bishop. I'm walking on the other. And he's telling us a little bit about himself and his life and and his journey to being a bishop and a young priest and all of that. And he said, he said, so Mary, Father Mike tells me that something extraordinary happened in the water. Tell me about it. So I told him what happened. And I said, Father, we just don't understand, you know, is it the Blessed Mother saying acceptance? Like we need to accept something more than what we, we thought? And he goes, well, I... I he says, I can't answer that. That I think you need to take to prayer and 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 open yourselves up to whatever the answer might be from the Lord. But he goes, This I, you know, when Mother Teresa, now Saint Mother Teresa, would come to the United States on the East Coast, Father Curlin was one, uh, Bishop Curlin, pardon me, was one of her confessors. And something, and and as he shared with us, something that she taught him was when you have individuals who cannot speak, right? You look to their body to speak for them. Because this is what Mother Teresa did in India and all over the world, right? She went to those that were in the street, those that that society had cast off. And many times they were disabled people and, and mentally handicapped people, and they couldn't speak or they couldn't communicate. But she would look to how they held their body. She would look to um, how they would relax when they were being bathed and how they would, you know, for the that meant that they were trusting her. And, you know, she looked for these things. And of course, we did that as Courtney's parents because she didn't speak. She sounded like Chewbacca from Star Wars when she was hungry. But Oh, she could communicate. Yes. Let's be very clear. She could communicate when Chow was late. You knew it. Oh, you knew it. Or she was upset. The only time she ever cried was when she was in physical pain, which was always right. so scary because she couldn't tell you where it hurt. She just told you that it hurt mm-hmm. like a baby, you know, really like a baby. So as he's telling us this, he said, so what do you think Courtney was trying to tell you in the water? And I'm just standing there <laughs> like, uh, and he looked at Jerry and he goes, Jerry. And Jerry's like, uh, <laughs> we were so overwhelmed. And he said, so Mary, describe to me again what Courtney did. And I said, oh, Courtney held our lady over her heart. And he goes, so do you think that Courtney knows where she is? And I said, yeah, I, I would agree that she does know where she is. Mm-hmm. He goes, do you think that Courtney understands what's happening? And I'm like, that we're praying for her full healing? Yes, I think she knows that what's happening. And he said, so if you think that Courtney knows where she is, she knows what's happening, she knows who Our Lady is, and to love Our Lady, then how can you possibly think that she wouldn't be prepared to receive Holy Communion? Dang, killed us with logic. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh." uh. And he said, he goes, how's Tuesday for you? And I'm like, excuse me? And he goes, if we can receive permission from your diocese. I would like, uh, and, and you agree, he goes, is there any reason why you think she shouldn't have it? And I said, well, she doesn't swallow that well. So he goes, that's fine. We can give her just a small piece of the host. And I said, okay. So they called the next morning to our parish. Mm-hmm. 
our pastor was there and he was like, this is glorious. Yes. Wonderful. We called home to my parents to let them know she would be receiving First Communion and our son was there. And Jonathan had been disappointed because he really fully believed, as we should, that God was going to heal his sister and that she was going to come home and be a playmate to him and, mm-hmm. and talk to him and be a, a typical sister just like everybody else he knew had. And when we told him that when he, she came out of the water, she was still in her wheelchair and still blind and still non-communicative, um, he was very upset. And, you know, as a, as a, uh, a nine-year-old would be mm-hmm. at the time, he was nine and a half. And, um, and so we were trying to kind of, I don't know, it was a big catechism lesson, you know, of just <laughs> yeah. trusting in the Lord and, and Courtney's perfect as she is. And when God looks at her, she sees perfection. He's pardon me. He sees perfection and grace and beauty. And there's nothing Courtney has to do to earn God's love. Just like there's nothing you have to do to earn God's love. And there's nothing you have to do to earn mommy and daddy's love. And there's, you know, so it was this big conversation about the dignity of the human person. And so when we called him, to tell him she was receiving her first communion, he was like, yes. And I didn't know what that was about. <laughs> and I said, what, what's going on? He goes, mom, do you know what Sunday is? And I'm like, Sunday's Mother's Day. And we would be back in the United States on Thursday. And he goes, Sunday's first communion Sunday. And, you know, we were in this small family group of people. Right. Doing a weekly catechesis with our kids. And those um, young ladies were going to be receiving their first communion that <laughs> Sunday. And they were all seven. And he goes, she's doing something just like everybody else does. See, God does listen to your prayers. And I'm like, oh, okay. okay. That works. <laughs> that works. And he explained to us when we got home what his prayer was, that Courtney would just do something like everybody else did. Right. And so she received. Um, so the next morning in front of our door was this package and um, the the dames in the group had gone to the little dress shop in the town, La Bebe Bon, the beautiful baby. Of course it's called La Bebe Bon. <laughs> and they had purchased a first communion dress for our daughter. And then we had a veil that had the, a ring of flowers, just like Bernadette would have had, Mount right. Laurel and other flowers. And our white high tops. And our white Reebok high tops, because that's what we had. And oh, she couldn't have worn like any other shoe. She had to have her high tops uh, on. Because of her ankle support. Because of her yeah. ankles, yep. And she received her first communion in front of more in than- In the underground cathedral. Church, cathedral. More than, I don't know how many thousands of people were there. It is a there. big honking underground cathedral. And it was the only time she stood on her own two feet, leaning between her father and I. She opened her mouth and said, when, when Bishop Curlin said, this is the body of Christ, she said, ah, best amen you ever heard. Very loudly. Very yes. loudly. And it echoed in the underground chamber. Oh, it sure did. And she received her first communion. And then when she came home, she received her first communion again with her quote unquote classmates right. at church on Mother's Day. Right. And um, Wore the it was dress just and everything. everything. It was just beautiful. And so we we kind of spent the next several years sort of mulling over this idea of acceptance, you know, and we kept taking it to prayer as a couple. And God was slow to answer. No, I think we were slow to listen. I think he had the answer there right right there well, all along. But we yeah. were very slow to listen. We were a stubborn, stiff-necked people. We are. <laughs> were. I, I wish we could say we were, but we are. And so it was four years later. It was November 1st, 2004. And our daughter was having brain surgery. And uh, she was getting what they call a VNS, a vagus nerve stimulator. Vagal nerve stimulator. Thank you. Vagus is like where the casinos are. 
I'm just saying. She would she would have loved a Vegas nerve simulator. Yeah, okay. Woo! <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Party on. But she um it was the last intervention they could do for her because there were no new medicines and right. she was still having three and four grandma seizures a she day. Was she was already taking a cocktail that would have made Mick Jagger proud. Yeah, she was just uh, and her body was just under a lot of stress and as it always was. So, um we're in this surgery and the, and it's a neurosurgeon, pediatric neurosurgeon that does the surgery and they connect this wire to the base of the, thal- the thalamus and the brain. And it's like a pacemaker that goes behind the chest wall, um, pacemaker for the brain. So every time she would have a seizure, you'd touch a magnet to the, the stimulator and it would give off an electrical energy to kind of calm down. If you think of um, your brain in a seizure as an electrical storm, and so you give it a stimulant to calm it down, to make it stop. And so that's the that was the very simple science. I mean, it's very right complicated, but that's a simple mom science behind it. <laughs> and as we're uh, in the waiting room, Jerry's got his Tom Clancy novel, his his coffee. We're watching her, you know. And the doctors had come out beforehand, and they had told us that this was a very delicate surgery. That if Courtney had a seizure during this surgery, and the scalpel moved or the connection moved. There was a possibility she could be a vegetable for the remainder of her life. Mm-hmm. And so it was very serious. Now, once it's in there, it's it's an easy switch out for battery packs and things like that. But the day before, I had finished a Curcio retreat. I was part of the team. And at the closing mass, uh, Father Joe had asked us to bring Courtney up because he knew he was having this surgery. And so... 500 people raised their hands and prayed over our daughter for successful surgery. And so we had gone in and we had said goodbye to her and we had cried the tears and we told her how much we loved her. And, you know, we held her close until they literally took her out of our arms. And I'm in the waiting room and we've prayed our rosary and, and, you know, we're just trying to stay still for the next two hours, three hours as this is happening. And, I go over my notes and I realized that Father Joe had talked about healing during the retreat. So, Jerry, do you remember? Yes. Okay, go for it. So, what are the three ways that Catholics? Retreat. What are the three ways that Catholics teach healing? Okay, so they teach um, miraculous healing, right? And that's the one that we normally associate with, um, you know, places like Lourdes, right? You, you're, you're sick, but you're not sick. And there's no, there's a tumor and then there's no tumor. There's a tumor and then it's not a tumor and there's no, you know, valid medical explanation. Explanation. It's a miracle, right? Um, Then the second one is you're healed after a time of suffering, right? This is sort of your traditional, you know, when you do chemo or radiation or something and yeah, you're cancer free, but it's a hell of a road to get there. Right. And then there's the third one. Mm-hmm. which says that there is basically no healing this side of heaven. There's an acceptance. There is an acceptance of your- Of the fact that you will not be healed here and that when you go home to the Lord, that's when your healing will take place. That's right. And I looked at that word and I was like, oh, bananas. That's not what I said, but- Bananas? That's probably not what you said. No, but it's a family podcast. So I'm going to go with that. And I grabbed Jerry's hand and I spilled his coffee, which irritated him. That's bad. You don't spill more coffee. It's like <laughs> spilling Gibbs coffee. Did you ever see anybody spill Gibbs coffee twice? No. A, NCIS? No, I did no. not. Um, and I said, oh my gosh, Jerry. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I had read further down and I had written in my notes, 
what my dad had said before we went to Lourdes four years earlier. You know, the Lord will work through this. Our Lady will be with you, but you have to listen. You have to lean into what she's trying to tell you and what he's trying to tell you. And I was like, lean in. Oh my gosh. And then it came to me. Who went in the, you know, what, what was the prayer that we had for Courtney? There were two prayers. Healing. Right. The, no, the first one was that when we knew that she would go before we did. Right. Most, most likely. And that she wouldn't die alone. So right. we would be with her. But the one before that was that we would hear what? Her voice. Her voice. Authentic voice. Authentic voice. The one God gave her, not the one that sounded like Chewbacca. <laughs> and we had had that prayer for- Long time. Well, as long as she was alive, seven yeah. years. At that point, 10, 11 years almost. Right. And I realized in that moment, who went in the water first? Courtney did. And then I went in and, and we, you went in and what right. did we hear? Acceptance from a young woman's voice. From a voice. young woman's voice. And I thought- Wow. Oh my gosh. Bazinga. It was Courtney's voice. Mm -hmm. She was telling us, I got it. I accept what God has asked of me, and I need the two of you to get your bananas together so you can help you talk me. talk about bananas a lot. <laughs> your shazazzle Get your, your shazazzle together. <laughs> and be my hands and feet. I mean, it was so clear, so direct. And we went on and I read some more scripture and it was just, it, it just kept coming back to this. And so I was telling Jerry this and you know, he had tears in his eyes. I have tears in my eyes. Then we both looked at each other and I thought, we're both crazy. This can't be right. Are we those Catholic people again? We're not those people. So then the surgery comes to an end. And because Courtney was very frail in health and, and medically fragile, they let me go back sooner than they would typical patients. And so she was probably out of the OR maybe 30 minutes. And it would be, you know, typically for her, it would be another hour before she would even wake up. You know, and it took her a long time to come out of anesthesia. So I go back and my, you know, I, my hair's in a hairnet and all of that. And I'm back in the, in the post-op room. And I just crawl into that bed with Courtney. And she's got, you know, bandages on her, on her, uh, over her breast, uh, because that's where they went in underneath her arm. Right. Um, and th thankfully they didn't go in, you know, by the skull and she's all bandaged up and she's just looks so still and so frail. And I get up next to her ear and I just tell her, hey, Court, mama's here. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. You did so great in the surgery. And then I just, I keep talking to her and I tell her what we, what her daddy and I, you know, had been praying for and what the Lord revealed to us out in the waiting room. And I said, Courtney, we heard you. It was your voice, wasn't it? Now, mind you, she typically takes another hour or so to wake up from anesthesia. Her eyes popped open like somebody had stuck an electrical, I don't know, wire to her feet or something. She just, her eyes popped open and she turned and she looked at me with this huge smile on her face mm -hmm. and she started laughing. Thanks about time, you knuckleheads. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> and the nurses were like, what is going on? How is this possible? This shouldn't be happening. All of her vital signs were totally normal. She was, um, she did everything she needed to do. Like we ended up, we were supposed to stay in the hospital that night and we ended up coming home. Like they let us come home because she was doing so well. And I just kept telling her, I'm so sorry it took us so long. I'm so sorry it took us so long. And what was happening in our marriage at that time is we had begun this journey away from our addiction to pornography and my addiction to food and, 
and our joint addiction to pornography because I had joined you for those years. And we had started counseling. We had started to walk in the way of the Lord. And it was very early in our walk with that. But God was so kind and so gentle to us. And he always spoke through her. So we would pay attention. Yeah, because we were that stubborn. <laughs> and um, and so that that day, that day changed everything. Lords changed it and 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 we began to turn in a direction. But it took us four years. Four years to to actually hear what he had said. And from that point on, it was climbing up every mountain to be healed for us, for our marriage, for our individual selves, for our family. And so Courtney has always been a tremendous intercessor. Even when she was alive, we would ask her to pray for us and with us. People at church would come up and they would whisper prayer requests into her ears, you know. And then especially right before she passed away, we were loading her up for heaven. But that led to Jonathan, you know, feeling the impetus to to do the prayer stocking. That's right. And now we have been doing it, like I said, this year will be eight years. And we have seen such amazing stories. That's right. People to tell us that. That uh, we get, we get, I get emails to this day of Mary. We put uh, 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 the prayer request in in 2017. Um, we were dealing with primary infertility and we want you to see the picture of, of our, our first child. We thank Courtney for her intercession, her powerful intercession. I remember my friend Carrie, they were buying a farm up in, uh, up in Connecticut and they could afford the farm, but they found out that they needed a new septic tank. Which is not cheap. It's like 10 grand or something. And she's like, Mary, we're asking for Courtney's intercession with this, you know, we're hoping that the family that owns the farm that's selling it to us will will take on the cost of the septic tank. So they wrote the family a letter. They did a novena to Courtney for her intercession, you know. So again, we don't we don't look to Courtney as if she's God. We look to Courtney as if she is our sister praying with us and for us. And so um, we just, <laughs> Maggie is all in favor of intercessory prayer. <laughs> so um, I get this email with a picture, like, I don't know, four months later. Yep. Not only did the family that was selling them, uh, the um, Maggie, shh, not only the family that was selling the farm to them. She's going to do what she's going to do what she's going to do. do what dogs do. Praise the Lord for sweet border collies. Anyways, um I get this picture and the the family agreed to to put in the new septic tank. Yep. And so now above that septic tank there is a field of wildflowers and they call it Courtney's garden. Yep. I'm like septic tanks, babies, financial disasters, people that have lost their jobs. Um Psychological healing, physical healing. We've received many, many um, notifications of those things happening after um, Courtney's intercession. So we offer this not just for ourselves, but also for all of you who hear this podcast and know us. You want to share anything there, big guy? <laughs> Sign up. The link is everywhere. That's That's it? That's what I got. So you're not going to finish the story? What story? 
about how we're not EWTM people? Oh, actually we are. Ironically, right? So, <laughs> you know, I don't know, maybe two two years after she passed, we get this call from EWTN to be on- um, Catherine Hedrow's Pro-Life Catherine Weekly. Catherine Hedrow's Pro-Life Weekly, like, you know, with like the cameraman and the lights and they come in the house and they do all the things and it's, see, I'm, you know, doing yeah. all this on YouTube and I'm like, and we're sitting there, we're going, oh. We're those people? We're those people now. We've been on, uh, together we've been on EWTN twice and I've been on a third time. Right. So always talking about court, always talking about the dignity of the human person and talking about the joy and and privilege of caring for those who cannot care for themselves. So um, <laughs> the Lord made us eat our words. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> happens every once in a while, you know. Here, Mary, open mouth, insert foot. Mm. So we invite you, my friends, to... Allow us to pray with you and for you this Advent season um, to go ahead and, and, and send us your, your prayer requests. And we will ask our daughter on your behalf to take those requests to the Lord and to Our Lady. And, and you know, remember, like any good Jewish mother, Our Lady, no son says no to their mama. So if Mary presents your requests... God's going to answer it one of three ways. He's going to say, no, that's not for your good. He's going to ask you, he's going to say, yes, it is for your good, and you'll see the fruition of it. Or he may just say, you trust me and wait. Not the now. Not the now, because the I, now. Am, I am moving and preparing a way for you. So um, as Advent has begun, we wish you a happy, holy Advent. Um, I'm and not now, really sure how to answer this And now it's time. This will be the most awkward transition everywhere. Anyway, for the now it's time for the Nots and a Newlywed game. Here okay. we go. I'm going to ask you this time. Okay. Okay. So, Jerry, yes, this yes. is now, mind you, dear audience, uh, these are no, have nothing to do <laughs> with Advent Catholicism or. No, you never know. You general. never know what I'm going to say, though. Okay, okay let's PG 13. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, by the way, the uh, the Google form will be, I said in the show notes and show on notes, our Instagram, Instagram, all of that. Links, all the things. Okay. Okay. Jerry. Yes, dear. You have to sing karaoke. I would love to sing karaoke. I know you do. You excel okay. at karaoke. I know. What song do you pick and why? Oh, there's only one song I would sing. Because, What's that? Uh, You've lost that love and feeling. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I sang that on my greatest birthday party ever. When was that? 2000, uh, uh, 2020. You did? CC and Stash. Oh, Stash's wedding. Oh, I was going to say, what was happening in then? That's right. Our friends. No, it's 2021. 2021? Yes, because it's been. Oh. No. Yeah. No? I don't know. Anyways, when our friends got married. No, it's 2020 because they got married before Jonathan and Jessica did. Okay. 2020. Yeah. My birthday. Cool. I mean, like, who has a wedding on my birthday? Oh, well, they wanted to have a black and white wedding on New Year's Eve. I said, black and white wedding. I'm totally down with that because I rock a tux. And I did rock a tux. And it was the best birthday party And ever. they did play that. And you did sing it with we all of your Navy with friends. with all the boys. Yes. It was most excellent. It was most excellent. What um, would you sing? Hold on. You don't get off that easy. <laughs> what would you sing? I would sing um, probably a Celine Dion song really badly. Like, um, I can't, it just left my brain. I don't even know. It's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back. Oh, boo! 
of it. Back to me now. See how I did that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Anyways, that's probably what I would say. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So here's the next, the, the final question. Okay. What scent reminds you of childhood and what memory does that bring back? I, 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 I'm not really one of those guys that have like scent memory. Um, I'm sorry. Food has a scent, dear. Well, <laughs> that's, very, food well guy. that's very true. Um, oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Bacon, of course. And what memory does it bring back? Frying bacon, <laughs> eating bacon. <laughs> I just all the bacon. Um, oh, that's an excellent question. Um, just food in general, because I, you know, I always remember coming home, you know, this food. still happens. You still come I, home I, and I, I know, still cook food. for you. Yeah, exactly. You'll I'm, walk in and go, wow, that smells good. Yeah, that smells good. Baking, baking in particular, yeah. right? The smell of cakes and cookies. Yeah, baby. That's good stuff. <laughs> for me, it's the smell of fresh bread. Yes. Because absolutely. my mom would, when we were younger in grade school, mom would make um, like every, I can't remember if it was Mondays or if it was Wednesdays. One day a week, she would make like five or six loaves of bread. And those would last how long? Maybe two days. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But then she unless would, they multiplied, those yeah. things were gone. And right? she would, you know, she just, we'd come in and we knew she had been baking. So everybody, you know, the rule was when you came home, you had to take off your uniform, get changed into your play clothes, and then you had to so do you your didn't homework. mess up your uniform? Correct. Correct. And then you had to do your homework before you could go outside and play. Okay. So I, we would come in and then once you were in your play clothes, before you did your homework, mom would call you to the table and she would slice up the fresh bread and the, it would you still would be warm. Ration. And we would get this big, thick slice of bread and she'd put butter on it and it would just be all melty. And sometimes she'd let us put honey on it. Oh my gosh. Even to this day, when I have a fresh piece of bread out of the oven, oh. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> So good. But that it reminds me of my mom and yeah. all everything she did for us. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on this. I think it's a special episode where we kind of tell the Lord's story. It is. And it's all about Courtney's prayer stocking it's to start Advent. Dun, to dun, begin dun, dun, Advent. Which is really late this year. It is late. It this seems year. late. Yeah. How's that going to work? Oh, so oh, like Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. So that's like a two. You have to go to Mass what for the? Sunday Mass on right. in the morning. And then that night, you have to we'll go begin again. the Christmas Eve Masses. Yes. I'm like, how does that work? It's a beautiful day. You get to see Jesus twice. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, we go to Midnight Mass, so we'll do it twice. Yeah. But It'll I'm be like, beautiful. So like Sunday doesn't count. Not for Christmas, no. <sighs> okay. Or you could just go on is Monday. Is that the Roman Missal? Is that like some rule? Oh my gosh. Probably in some rule. Anyway. Thank you for joining us we'll be today there. Dun, 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 dun. on the Mary and Jerry podcast. Now we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast, like Spotify or Apple. Five star review. Five stars only people. But also we'd love to hear from you individually. Uh, you can leave a text or a voicemail at 571-354-0351. See, we were totally prepared this What's time. What's that number, Jerry? 571-354-0351. Operators are standing by. On the Mary and Jerry bat phone. Dun, 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 dun. So until next week, my friends, may you have a blessed and holy advent.